Welcome to Crush and Disappointment. This is episode four, where I talk to Jess about her crush on Xena. And actually, after recording this, I'm going to go and see Jess, and we're going to watch an episode of Xena. So it's clearly rekindled her affection for Xena, and I'm now a recent convert, so maybe this will do the same for you. So this is episode four. Here's a crush. Yesterday, when I was doing my prep, I tried to perfect the Xena war cry and struggled. Okay. And actually... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's the... Ah, la, la, la. I believe it's more like... <laughs> and it actually really hurt my throat. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad that I meant to have that moment of bossing it because that's probably the best version that I've actually done so far. Not bad, not bad. Yeah. To not just make your spine tingle. I, so I watched the first ep- episode yesterday. Yep. And I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. <laughs> I think I might stick with it. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So at the moment I'm re-watching Star Trek The Next Generation and sort of that similar sort of 90s, like, corny Yeah, I think I remember re-watching a bit and it was super corny. And... But also, like, kind of sexy as well. <laughs> like, I'm... Just to say, from the, from the clips I've been watching and from watching that episode, I am definitely going to go back to it, I think. <laughs> oh, but it's not on Netflix. So Is it not? So I don't quite know. And it was, like, 40 quid for the whole box there. It's, it's a big it's, commitment. All right. I've got way too many quotes. Good. This is... Well, we'll limit my... I'm sure that we'll meet the limit of my understanding of Xena here. So Xena, when I was doing like the research, it's more. I think it's more difficult than the other characters we talked about because Xena is like does have these big themes attached to her, like especially with like the um, I don't know, the action woman, and you see, there's all these articles about how how progressive that is, at what points it's undermined, mm-hmm. and then also in terms of like LGBT culture, like Xena's so big, yeah, and I felt. I didn't quite know how to tackle it because it, it it's she's like. And we've also without, without like getting away from actually like it is a really fun show. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't I, it, I didn't sort of want it just to become me sort of lecturing you about, <laughs> about like what, what like, she's done for the LGBT. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like, so like, do you? What's your first memory of Xena? Uh so yeah, I guess uh, as far as I remember, it's one of those sort of Saturday or Sunday morning programs. But yeah, I would always get up with my sister and watch Black Beauty. The horse show, yeah, yeah. and then and then we, uh, I think that then they'd either, I think it was Xena then that they'd put on afterwards. So I just remember sitting there and watching it, and you know, loving it. Uh, so you actually watched it on TV? It was like yeah, a yeah, DVD. Yeah. No, no, no. My parents were supportive of it. Everyone liked Xena. Mm-hmm. Everyone liked Hercules as well. Was it on Channel Five? I think so. Yeah. Because I was thinking about how how I like watch TV today and with Netflix and such. And I will, like, binge a series over a weekend and watch, like, I don't know, all the Stranger Things. Yep. And then I kind of forget it really quickly. Yes. And I feel like if you've got those shows that go on for years and years Mm -hmm. and you watch it at a certain time every week, you have a much stronger, like, emotional connection to those shows. Yeah. As opposed to now where it's perhaps maybe maybe we're getting higher quality TV now because it's less episodes. Yeah, is that is that a standard? Yeah, I think so. I think the standard used to be like twenty two episodes a season. Yeah, and now it's ten or thirteen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely think that it makes it more of a sort of cultural, um, like 
sort of moment almost if it's there for such a long time like that's something I remember as part of my childhood whereas you're right if I'd binged over two days it'd be that I wouldn't I wouldn't have that same connection to it certainly and how old were you when you were watching it between five and ten because so I've I've actually I've had it written down somewhere where did I have it yeah so it was on from 95 to 2001 so that would be from when I was two until eight so I mean I imagine you weren't watching it when you were two no <laughs> but, no 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 but do you recall it being like repeat episodes or was it a very much like a no, of course you, you definitely don't pay attention when you're a child do you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't I have no idea I think uh Oh, God, I don't remember seeing repeat episodes. It's just funny, because as you start to think back on this, you sort of, oh, you just, I just sort of cringe almost, because it's that sort of like, oh, wow. There was, like, signs that early on that I, that I liked, that I thought that that was, a, you know, she was an admirable lady, and you don't know what that is, and then you sort of ask your parents stuff, and that's just, reflect back on that now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, I think they were mostly new episodes. It might have been like the... They used to do that thing, didn't they, where they would re- replay it on a Sunday morning, say, but it had been shown on Friday night or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was repeat in that sense. But I, remember, I sort of remember vaguely following the story about her dad and Hera? Is Hera? Someone? So Zeus. As far as I could gather from the first episode, <laughs> which clearly is just a, not much plot, um, she had done something bad and she'd killed a load of people. And she was trying to atone for it. I think so. Yeah, this is this is again. I I I guess I could have reread or read up on it. I I vaguely. She was just an outcast in some capacity, and she was always yeah just traveling around with that female friend of hers, Gabrielle. Gabrielle, (laughs) who she like saves in the first episode from being attacked. Yeah, yeah. Was Gabrielle was sort of some daughter of someone? Was she? And she sort of whisked her off. Yeah, she. I think the village that Gabrielle lives in there's some gang that are persecuting them and Xena comes and sort of um classic she gets into a fight with the leader of them and they, they're they sort of doing it on this um these two beams and it's whoever touches the ground first dies nice and then it sort of um they move the beams start falling apart and then they start doing it on the heads of the villagers <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's so fun and you've got um like clearly like um, audio that's been added later of the villagers going use my shoulders Zena <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just I love the so I can often find action sequences pretty dull yeah especially like TV ones mm-hmm. but these kind of felt like um like inspired by like kung fu movies and the way they were kind of over the top lots of flips yeah and, yeah and like yeah. the push sounds whenever yeah. she like and the punches and i found them so engaging and like so entertaining 100 <laughs> percent. that was i mean that definitely was so it's weird because it's sort of this sort of feelings of being into that but also very much admiring that it just this sort of yeah her flipping all over everything and sort of just kicking ass it's it's something else right <laughs> and you've, would you say that was unlike particularly like female characters that you're watching at the time like you remember other shows you were into yeah so i the, the big thing is i remember there was a hercules hercules counterpart do you did you ever watch that do you know yeah i vaguely might have remembered watching it but yeah i he's got a very distinctive face so i don't really know who he is it's um, a bit like brendan fraser oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i would have said he more, looked more like uh viggo mortensen i can't make the combination between those two people it's <laughs> a great what he actually looked like but <laughs> Yeah, I think I might have watched that. Like a bum chin. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was definitely them too. And I sort of, yeah, but yeah, certainly I, a lot of the aspirational figures in my life were gentlemen because I just didn't see any of that sort of thing. I think, I guess Mulan Mm -hmm. was pretty badass and 
Pocahontas in a sort of in her own way was also very assertive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I guess that would be the only one. And in, in terms of Hercules, I think so. Xena started off on the Hercules show, and yes. it was they were intending to like kill her off at the end of it. But then the, the, I think the um, the showrunner was told that they needed to have a spin-off, and so they made um, Xena. But um, and then Xena became massively more popular than Hercules. Mm-hmm. And apparently there was a, an ongoing gag on the Hercules set that if anyone said the name Xena, they spat on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the the guy, there's an interview with the guy who played Hercules, the um, Viggo Mortensen, uh, <laughs> Brendan Fraser type. Yep. And um, where he says how he disliked how Xena was so powerful and disliked how they were seen to be equals. That's which, a bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very cool. And how she, she, I think she was, was she like a trained medic or she had like skills that Hercules didn't have. And he was saying like, I'm like half God. How is she so like badass? She is, right? There's just, I think that, and that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because I think those sort of, I guess, Herculean lead characters, are, as far as I've seen, had almost always been men. And so it's nothing. And that's the difference. It's nothing new. It's not very interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I know she's got all these other skills or whatever, but what I guess what does make her different is that she's a lady. So it's it's just something else. It's new. It's a new flavor. It's a new take on everything. Mm-hmm. And I think, that, I mean, that made it interesting to watch. Although it's hard to say, isn't it? It's hard to sort of take apart whether you liked watching it because it was new and interesting or whether you just liked watching it because she was attractive mm. we should probably actually do the so what was like who is xena and or from your recollection who was xena and what was the kind of the main premise of the show okay uh so as i as i understood it xena was a warrior princess i so i'm a little rusty on her heritage i'm not exactly where she i'm not sure where she came from although there was this this eye kept on appearing this evil eye which i think was this hera I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but that that was something weird. But yeah, she she and Gabrielle would just roam around helping people out, as far as I understood it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then moving on at the end at the end of the episode, and that was yeah the only sort of maintained relationship was theirs, I think. And then it was a new setting each time, mm-hmm. uh, and she, you know, was just all clad in in leather armor, I guess, uh, with her sword and the round thing and a whip as well, I think. Okay. Yeah. Do you think the round there's like the the round blade is really cool? Yeah, the sort of like frisbee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Oh god, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to have a little Xena figurine where you press the you press in her back, and her hand would come down and pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> would it have a magnet on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so cool. Actually, I've got a bit about the figurines. Where is it? Okay, so <laughs> bring out my big quotes already. <laughs> so um, Anna Wagner Ott, I believe how you pronounce her name wrote an essay called Analysis of Gender Identity Through Doll and Action Figure Politics in Art Education. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and she basically goes on to talk about Xena and how um, because of the adult content associated with Xena, these female action figures are marketed primarily to doll collectors and not to young girls. Um, what adult content? I thought it was pretty tame, was it? I mean, the, the DVDs are still rated 15. Maybe so- is it like violent... I can't, so I can't even remember seeing blood, but I don't know if that's just because I've forgotten i think in the the episode that i watched there was no blood as such but it, it was quite like there's a bit when um xena jabs a guy repeatedly in the throat oh, yeah <laughs> didn't she used to do that she used to like whack you and then you would start you would start sort of suffocating yes and, <laughs> and then and then she'd get what she want from you and whack you again and then it yeah, was, yeah. It's so, so good. yeah so good right it's so good well, i mean how admirable is that character just all those skills <laughs> yeah and then when she's when she's fighting, she like she will stab people. There's lots of people getting hit with arrows. I wouldn't say it's the most violent thing in the world, but 
I was surprised when you said that you watched it Sunday morning because my feeling of it was that it was like a, an evening show, f- perhaps for an old audience than when you were watching it. Yeah, so, you know, it might well have been that I watched it in the um, in the evening. There was definitely, maybe it was Hercules. I don't know if Hercules was more tame. There's something that we watched on a Sunday morning. But I remember being very excited for that. I remember you were sort of like, get back Black Beauty out of the way. And I can't even remember what that was like. I just remember <laughs> that we watched it. Um, and then you'd like, that would be the thing that you would watch. Yeah. I'm, so I'm pretty sure it was. It's either that or Hercules. I sort of quite like them both, but obviously I prefer Xena. Um, but to answer your, your doll question, this is, I mean, this is all about what your parents are willing to buy for you. So mum would never let me watch films that were above the age rating which is funny to now hear that this was a 15 because <laughs> i wasn't ever allowed to watch anything but she, yeah i mean i had a tiny little one that was about you know sort of as big as my hand with a sword uh, and the little discus thing uh, but anna had a barbie doll so that i guess that's a more typical doll right anna had a barbie doll of xena as well so, oh, wow. yeah we all we all had the dolls <laughs> because so in um, Anna Van Gogh Ott's essay, she talks about how she visited 20 major toy stores in five different cities in the US and Canada mm-hmm. between 1999 and 2001 and found no female superhero action type figurines on the shelves where Barbie dolls, fashion dolls, baby dolls mm. and toddler dolls are found. Yeah. So there's very much this split between yeah. what the the girls are playing with and what the boys are playing with. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's really, really funny because that's just not something you even think about. And it's not something I, I mean, I certainly might... I didn't even give it any thought. And then in my first, one of my first year anthropology lectures on material culture, so just like things, was literally about that. It was about how uh, children's toys, if you look at them, that all the boys' toys, toys are about going out there and being adventurous and it's cars and it's diggers and it's things like that. And, and it's all very house-related and sort of like caring and and passive, the, the girls' toys tend to be. Yeah, so I mean, that's super interesting. And it's interesting to hear that, that I guess, yeah, there weren't... I don't... I mean, I certainly... I didn't get the Xena Barbie doll. Um, I get that was Anna, but yeah, I, I all my action, my equivalents were just male. They were they were all the different action men. I took three of them and a Ken doll. And that links into have you seen the? Um, there's a campaign called Let Toys Be Toys, and their no. sort of agenda is to push this idea of how you do get boys and girls that push down these very separate routes, as you say, like very active for boys and passive for girls, mm-hmm. and how if you go into like even like colors like you go into a, a toy shop you see like the blue section for the boys and the pink section for the girls yeah and yeah even to the point where uh, there's like horrendous examples where mm. like the you'll get a globe in the boys section and then you'll get a pink globe in the girls section <laughs> <laughs> and it's like how have you gendered the globe yeah you indeed you have not <laughs> there needs to be a feminine version of it it's super weird isn't it i don't know i find all of that uh, all of that incredibly weird. And, uh, so I know that there's something where there, there's in certain areas. I think was I was listening to on a on a podcast. They were saying uh, there was gender neutral, but it was like pink and blue, and then gender neutral was grey or something. And it's like that's just no one wants a no one wants a grey onesie for your child. <laughs> that's just horrible. Um, and why wouldn't? Yeah, that's not. I don't think that's true gender neutrality, is it? Because it's only. I mean, you know, boys should be able to wear pink, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I don't know. It just really weirds me out. Yeah, and there was, I mean, I also saw a sort of study that they did where they put babies in, babies all of the same, so they just gave them to carers and told them that it was either a boy or a girl, but I don't think it necessarily was. But whatever you told it, uh, told to the carer that the gender of the baby, the carer would take the baby over to the toys of that of that sex and just try and make them play with them. Mm-hmm. And because these people obviously don't even realise that they're doing it, and so they sort of said to them at the end, said, why do you think why did you take them over to the, you know, to the little truck toy or whatever? And 
And this was oh, because you know, oh, he sort of went over there, and he goes, well, actually, it's it's a girl, and and you did take her over there, and mm-hmm. it's I was really interesting, isn't it? Because I don't think that if you give babies the choice, I don't think that they would necessarily pick one or the other. I think, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting how Zena, just it like in the title of the show, feels like it's trying to blur that dichotomy a bit where you've got warrior princess like you have got the two defined gender roles and she's neither she's both mm. and mm. all i remember from the intro is um the poseidon coming up out do you see it the mm-hmm. poseidon coming out out of the sea i remember watching that as a child and thinking wow wow this is some good you know when you first saw what was it walking with dinosaurs and you're like mm-hmm. god they look so real yeah, yeah yeah and then i yeah and then i've watched when i said i watched one a couple of years ago i was like god this is the shittest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah and i think i read yesterday that that poseidon bit in the opening credits was just made for the opening credits and then there was such like outcry from people who wanted to see poseidon that they, <laughs> that, that they then added him in a later season fair i, I mean, mean fair i mean you would i mean for that clip it's <laughs> It's just like a blue square rising from the <laughs> It's not quite that bad. <laughs> but I do think it's quite interesting in the opening credits how the title shot when the uh, when her name appears and you've, you've got the image of Xena behind it, It's there's a burning village behind her and that's when she's like murdered the people that she's trying to atone for. And it's bizarre that you'd have that as like the default image of the characters when she's at her most like evil, I guess. Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, I... There's a vague, I have a vague recollection that she did something like that. I mean, my, if you ask me why you do that, I'd say just to set it up each episode so we're aware, mm-hmm. you know, she's just not pretending that it's not there. She's acknowledging it. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's owning it. But I think, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really remember anything about the burning village other than I think that, yeah, I have a vague recollection she did something bad. Speaking of <laughs> Zena's dark past, you say that you, you sort of had a vague recollection of her having mm-hmm. done something wrong. Also, with it being an adult show, even though perhaps you weren't aware of that, was there a sense of, I don't know, did you feel like more like grown up watching that? Or did you feel like it was more adult at all? Yeah, it's definitely one of those things. It was one of those, it was on the list of programs that your parents would let you watch rather than, I mean, yeah, any of the other stuff where you could just put it on. Yeah, no, yeah, so you definitely feel like you had to check with your parents and, and watch it with them. Um, I I guess... I don't know. It's really, it's really weird because I feel like as you grow up, you have these. So, for instance, fancying someone is not a, certainly in my case wasn't a feeling that I was sort of. I you sort of you know that it's it feels a bit naughty, mm-hmm. um, um, and it, yeah, and it's sort of a bit above your above your years, and you don't really know what's going on. So I guess there was that element of it where you sort of you know that it's your parents have to let you watch it. It's an, it's an adult program, etc. But also that. Um, just, I don't know how to say this without sounding really crass. <laughs> Go crass. <laughs> Do you know the way that you feel in your loins? Yeah, is is something, and I think especially given that it was a female character rather than males, I just wasn't. I wasn't even aware. I didn't. As for, my understanding of myself um, at that age was just I wasn't. I didn't fancy anything, and I, you know, I, I had a boyfriend in year six. But that was just like a friendship and everything just felt like friendship. And then you had these moments where you didn't feel like that, but you didn't really know what that was. And then to have them with the, that feeling towards, I just, I didn't even, I didn't even recognize that that's what it was. I just mm-hmm. thought that she was like the coolest thing yeah. in every, when I, 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 today I still think that she's, I mean, apart from the cheesiness, I'm sort of, I've got less time for that. No, the cheesiness <laughs> is so good. 
it's just I I think that she's still super super cool but I can now recognize that also I'm also like that's very not actively it's it's very attractive it's very very easy to be attracted to that and that's a lot of a lot of my feelings are sort of this ball of admiration and wanting to be that but also finding that very attractive Mm -hmm. it's, it's so funny because then I moved away from that you stop watching that it stopped or whatever and I sort of remember it but you just grow out of those toys and stuff and it was sort of much a little bit later where I came to actively realize and start to process the fact that I uh that I that I wasn't sort of heterosexual and then through that you sort of there was this whole period where the people that you look up to and sort of identify with and none of them was Xena because we'd moved past it and then you sort of come back to it and you sort of have this realization like oh yeah that's that's it and there's sort of as far as I remember there were sort of homoerotic tones in it so when I was researching, I was that was essentially the main thing that came forward is is the lesbian subtext of Xena <laughs> and Gabrielle, and, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the, and it's this thing where I guess it links maybe with the cheese and have it. There's lots of like kind of like puns or like kind of so. There's one where is, but, it, is it? There's a, there's a soap scene in a hot tub. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good one. But um, there there'll be like um, jokes where. They'll be together, and I think a villain says to them, "Like, is that a hickey?" And they both kind of look very nervous around <laughs> each other. <laughs> and oh, that's great! And there's an an episode which seems quite late on after there'd been lots of press coverage about w- will they, won't they? Mm. And there's a modern day reporter. And I don't understand how he ends up <laughs> in ancient Greece, but um, and he's got like a he's got a modern microphone, and he's kind of interviewing. Is this in, yeah, in the in the episode. <laughs> excellent and he's like talking to them and he's sort of the the voice of the audience saying like um he's going to like are you two lovers and they sort of like look at each other like well that's personal he's like no but we all want to know and he like turns to the camera and then dina starts answering and then this i think the audio apparently breaks and the visuals all cut out and it's just like you just hear like the occasional word of Zena being like and then it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's great. It's definitely, and then there's, <laughs> a genius. There's, there's um, moments where there'll always be like a reason for them to like kiss or embrace. It'll either be like through misery of a death, and they'll be holding each other, mm-hmm. or they're, they're, I think there's one moment where I'm not quite sure, but I feel like they need to like transfer water from each other's mouths. Happens <laughs> <laughs> to me quite often. Yeah, it's, like, it, it's, just, it's probably as much subtext as you can have without it just becoming text. Yeah. And that's really interesting because that's whether they did the um, sort of writers and producers sort of choose to do that to sort of speak to their lesbian community or on queer community or was it queer baiting? And they know that the producers and writers know that they're doing it, but they won't make anyone explicitly gay because they don't want to lose viewers as a consequence of doing that. So they just write it for gay people that will pick up on that. Mm. And you sort of get taken along and along and along and you hope at one point that something's going to come of it. And it sort of, it rarely, it rarely does. Yeah. So it's a, it's sort of constantly this sort of hoping that you're going to see something and then never seeing anything. And, you know, you are looking in, you know, you sort of think, God, wouldn't this be great if these people turn out to be gay? Because this is just a story about whatever. And, you know, and that would be like a side thing rather than anything big. And then you just, and then you lose it again and again and again and again. I guess it was a different time, right? But uh, and not that you, you know, we should just sort of read everything as queer baiting because I actually think it was a really sort of well, the character was someone that I think that people sort of uh, admired and identified with. Not obviously with the killing of villagers, etc. But I think they, <laughs> I think they quite, um, yeah, I think she did do stuff or did help the community and help people. Like, certainly, you know, it's my, you know, it's my first crush. Certainly, 
it sort of helped me with not okay so if I'm being honest I don't think it helped me with my sexual identity I think it helped me realize that I can be like this if I want to sort of an action man character I saw myself represented rather than just all gentlemen which was which was nice but there is I guess there is that element where it's like well you just put it on screen without ever saying it because that way all the queer community is so desperate for something mm-hmm. you throw them like a tiny bone and they're like yeah 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 we love it and actually you never you never go there I think Lucy Lawless made a when the series was finishing she made a quote about how um in the last episode how she felt like her character was outed and people were really excited about it and then that kind of doesn't happen like it doesn't it's not as explicit as perhaps people wanted it to be and in fact Zuna is killed oh yeah fuck I forgot that (laughs) oh god (laughs) and it's pretty brutal like she gets like lots of arrows in her and I think it sort of cuts to her thinking of Gabrielle and I think that's maybe where they're saying that she it's confirmed but it's you've got another lesbian story where they're not allowed (laughs) to be happy or we're like they're killed Oh, God, yeah, no, I mean, you know, let's talk about this one. That's every... I don't understand why is every... Every sort of lesbian couple seems to be in killing them off as soon as possible. There was... I mean, there was one... The 100, did you... That was a few years ago, like two or three years ago. And it's on those Channel 4... It's like the Hollyoaks of the post-apocalyptic future. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone goes into space because there's been a huge nuclear war or something, and then they have to come back down from space. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a plot on there. The protagonist is called Clark, is it? Uh, and she sort of becomes a self-appointed leader of the of the young people. Um, and she has this storyline with this. I don't, again, I don't know what she's called. The leader of the forest people was this sort of similarly young, attractive person called maybe Lexa. I th- basically think they finally acknowledged that they really liked each other and I, I think had sex in that episode and then in the very same episode the forest leader was killed mm-hmm. and then like that was that and then it just yeah, I don't know she's always the same and then people are like well actually her, her boyfriend before was killed and it's like yeah but they had got to develop their relationship fully yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the difference isn't it yeah and every you know I have seen one or two lesbian-esque films lesbian films just lesbian films they um and without 90% of them are just negative. It's just, we can't be together. And so someone flings themselves off a roof or someone has an affair with a student and gets taken away. And, <laughs> you know, just all these. It's so like even in so the new Star Trek and Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek's always been about like pushing forward and social change and such. Mm-hmm. And they've got the, I believe it's the first gay couple who's been on the series for a prolonged period of time mm. and they've just killed off one of them and it just it felt so unnecessary because you finally had this relationship which was powerful and it meant a lot to a lot of people mm. and mm. while that actually the death is really impactful you don't have that relationship anymore and then yeah. you, you've got the, you're back to the individual gay person who has lost their lover who is traumatized and upset yeah it's really interesting isn't it because more than any of the i mean more than like well that's not necessarily true but of all the identifiers that you that you win the ways you can identify yourself sexuality is very much an action it's a doing i mean people can debate that however but yeah so i I think that there isn't there is a need to sort of actually have that shown on screen in the process of like a relationship shown on screen especially as there's just so many of you know for, for a very 
understandable reasons is you know sort of a, a whole bunch of heterosexual things and mm-hmm. but it's so weird not ever feeling like you see yourself represented mm. especially when you don't realize that you're not seeing yourself represented and that's why like recently with um was it the new harry potter thing how dumbledore is not going yes. to be explicitly gay yes it was such an easy win to have had dumbledore be gay in that film and then to not address it it's that you're back to that same system of you're not seeing representation because while we can all say Dumbledore's gay, yeah. if there's nothing in the film to suggest that, then it's it's essentially, well, not, maybe not essentially meaningless, but closer to that than... Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, that why? I don't understand why they wouldn't do that. I don't know. Like, it's all about losing viewers, right? Is it? That's the sort of main motive for, for those sorts of things. But it just seems like we can't pander to that. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I found that really frustrating because it is a super easy win. Ever already, you know, if you know anything about Dumbledore outside of the Harry Potter books, you know, J.K. Rowling has said that he's gay, so it's, mm-hmm. it's a very well-known thing. Why wouldn't you explore that? Wouldn't it be interesting to sort of, you know, you know, I can't think of the last time I saw two men sort of sharing a kiss or whatever. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be interesting to see with someone that is such a, yeah, such a sort of strong and um, powerful figure in 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 this story? And in terms of representation just sort of being there, I don't on paper, it does seem like with Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling, there's a lot of J.K. Rowling coming up later and saying these things about Dumbledore being gay or something. Maybe Hermione could be black. There's nothing that says that she isn't. But if you haven't yeah. made that explicit in the text... Yeah. It's a very nice thing to do later on. And it's, you know, I think that... I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a... You know, you could assume that it was done naively in something that she just didn't think about and then was all just genuinely didn't deem necessary to mention you know i don't think we necessarily i think i think a great test for these things is would it work the other way around mm-hmm. if you take that you sort of say do you see it in other heterosexual characters so i don't feel like there's a much of a discussion of mcgonagall's sexuality or mm-hmm. and so from that perspective you know the the fig- it's almost like the teacher figures were sort of like this asexual bunch of yeah. people that taught you so in that respect i guess She's not doing any wrong by it. I guess Hagrid and that giant lady had a thing, which was sort of explored. But I, So I guess in that respect, it's not super bad. But they were written again in a bit of a different time. And mm-hmm. I'm sure people would have been less receptive to them and wouldn't have read them to their children. It's a child, it's, I mean, it's children's book. So I guess it's a very sensible thing. I, I did see a website which is rating whether television was appropriate for children. And it did feel the need to mention that there were lesbian overtones in uh. Xena. And that's the thing, that's, isn't that just the most frustrating thing? Like my mum was saying when she had a sexual education lesson in school, they, they talked about homo- homosexuality with paedophilia and bestiality. Oh, <laughs> like that was the lesson of like sexual deviation. But I, yeah, I just, I, I, that's, the, that's, such a, that's the most frustrating thing. Is that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And if you make it seem somehow dirty, because that's what you're doing by saying it's got an adult theme. What's mm-hmm. adult about? If, there, if you would allow a heterosexual kiss, then just allow a, you know, a, a gay kiss. It's just mm-hmm. it's super weird because there is nothing dirty about it. And then what you do is you make people feel like they're dirty and it's not... And it's not okay, and it is, and you know, sort of, you know, this sort of, we're all accepting, but there's undertones of, you know, sexual deviation and whatever, and it's just, yeah, and that, and actually, that was, that was really, I, so I obviously didn't know I was gay, or whatever. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm gay, but like liked women, mm-hmm. um, at this age, but I did become aware not so long afterwards, and it was something that I just didn't talk about, you know, probably from the age of. 12 or 13, I, I sort of had a very clear idea mm-hmm. 
that that was at least something that I was interested in as well as guys. And I just was so uncomfortable with it. It wasn't like I'm super chill. I just don't want to tell people because the people in my school are, you know, not ready for it. Mm -hmm. I just really was so uncomfortable with the idea because I'd been not through my parents or anything because they're obviously super okay with it. But I had been led to believe that it was somehow wrong and deviant, which just weirds me out. And school kids don't have to think because gay yeah just relentlessly and which of course i you know you do as well you add to the problem i certainly said that mm-hmm. yeah how important do you feel like media representation is so 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 important it's especially with the internet and well so so the really interesting thing which i don't i don't think i've really ever talked about explicitly before is that when i realized that i liked women as well or you know whatever i explored that through tv shows famously the l word and um, lip service was another great British one. But I explored it through them and just kept it completely private. So my teenage years were spent watching things like that without my parents' knowledge, without any of my friends knowing, without even my twin sister knowing. Absolutely no idea. I didn't feel like I was ready for to be that person in school. I didn't feel like that would be accepted in school. And so to deal with that, I went... I did turn to TV shows, etc. to find... I didn't even talk to people. Obviously, you know, there's lesbian communities out there on the internet. I didn't talk to anyone. I just lived it vicariously through these characters. When we were talking about this before we started recording, you remind me of, um, I read this essay by this woman. I can't think, I can't remember what she was called, but I'll, so I'll put a link in the description. But she was talking about how she read X-Men as a kid. Mm-hmm. And in there, there's a character called Kitty Pride, who is <laughs> subtextually gay, mm-hmm. but it's never overt. Yeah. And she was saying how, while the authors may have had the best intentions of putting all these things in there it actually really confused her because she would see these the way that she that kitty would act with these other women and see not see that as being sexual see it as just being friends like the yeah. whole like gal pal type thing <laughs> and it was only much later that she sort of she felt it actually stopped her from being able to have the conversation with herself about being gay because the representation she was seeing wasn't explicit yeah yeah, so I, I guess everyone has a different experience of stuff. And, and when I talk about the programs that I watched uh, in my teenage years, they were very definitely like lesbian TV programs. That yeah. was their angle. Um, I think, uh, so So when I talk about cringing, it was, I remember it was a scene where there was a lot of sexual tension between Xena and Gabrielle, mm-hmm. maybe even a kiss. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There might have been the, the bathtub scene with the soap. <laughs> and I think I remember asking my dad afterwards if girls kiss like that in real life i mean he's quite open to stuff so he probably said yes oh yeah but that's just it was complete confusion because i couldn't even i didn't even sort of even necessarily think of that as as a as a sexual thing although as i said it i don't know it's all growing up is just awkward isn't it yeah. you've got these got these awkward feelings that you have you don't really know what they are they just know that you you know it makes you feel uncomfortable with yourself um yeah, um, I think that the where the age that I was when watching Xena was pre-identifying sexually as anything, um, or even having, or even understanding what that was. So, I think for the most part, it was something that I really wanted to watch, and I didn't know why I wanted to watch it that much. You know, Hercules mm-hmm. is largely the same thing, and I didn't give a shit about Hercules <laughs> nearly as much. Yeah, but definitely, I sort of you know one hundred percent wanted to be Xena. She's so strong and powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and clearly liked that her and Gabrielle had this intense sexual tension, but uh, yeah, it didn't. I I wouldn't have said that it sort of uh, stopped me having that discussion with myself in any way because 
it was at a stage when I was I wasn't even aware of what yeah. sexuality was. I guess you're gonna you're gonna have in especially LGBT films there's gonna be lesbian gay protagonists, mm-hmm. but we're still not really seeing them in your big blockbusters. And yeah. I can't think of that much progression from Xena to now because when we, I did my episode with Alex about Captain America, we we're talking about how Captain America's best friend Bucky. There's a lot of sexual tension between them mm. and there's a huge fan culture. And I just, one of my favorite things is going on Tumblr and looking at all the pictures that people draw of them. Or <laughs> now Photoshop together. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's like beautiful fan art. Like yeah. it's just like, um, some of it is where they are like kissing. Some of it is just when they're like, they're watching telly together like, mm. with one of them like lying on the other one in their pajamas. And mm-hmm. it's just, and it's, I've been sending that art to my friends because I love it. But then thinking about it more there is that tinge of sadness to it by the fact these people have like so underserved Mm. that they've had to cling on to these minute references and in the same way that um black panther has got such a response from black comic book fans because they're just so underserved yeah and you feel like you need to be making films that incorporate everyone yeah especially for those groups but for straight white guys as well to have it just be a part of how you see the world from like a kid growing up yeah, certainly. And, and and so the really, yeah, and so the interesting thing about that is that, as you pointed out, it's about normalising it and not just normalising it within the groups that, that would watch it anyway. So I do think it's important to have, you know, people watching these so that, you know, they can all sort of work out how they feel about it and sort of maybe even change their opinions about it or whatever. So I do think it's important that there was, you know, I, I was list- I read somewhere that... um there's this idea that you know women movies are made for women and and mm. you know guys don't need to watch them and it's like well if we all had that opinion women wouldn't be watching any films basically apart yeah. from chick flicks so mm. it's just it's quite interesting to sort of there's an expectation one way and of course there would be because like 90 percent you know mm-hmm. of people are straight so or you know as as that was previously understood i guess if you use that as a sort of ballpark figure mm-hmm. um or or heterosexual whatever you would expect to see ninety percent of the people be heterosexual, but it would be nice to see. And 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 the other thing is see them, not just there for the sake of being gay. So all the watching, all the watching of the of the gay films I've seen, it's like that. That is the story. Mm-hmm. It's just a love story, yeah. and often a tragic one mm-hmm. about about people being gay. And and you know, yes, they've got sort of complex characters and stuff, but it, that's all it is. And I would far prefer to see a film where. I mean, I don't know, because I also don't... Sometimes I feel like just thrusting in love... And, it, well, sometimes I feel thrusting in love stories is just, you're like, get out of the way. Not everything has to have a love story in yeah. it. And part of that might be because as someone who doesn't predominantly identify with the heterosexual things that I see on TV, I'm like, I'm not interested. Or, like, we see, I see this every day, all the same. Can we just have a story that's about a story? Maybe if it was a gay person, I'd be more interested in it, which is a vested interest, I guess. Um <laughs> But yeah, just as part of the story, you know, it'd be nice to watch a, you know, as you know, a comic book film, and then at the end, if there needs to be a love, a love interest, why not that be a same-sex love interest? And mm-hmm. just yeah, just because endless sort of love stories are a bit naff, especially when they are just constantly tragic at the end of them. So you watch it because you're like, you need your fix, yeah, yeah. you need to see yourself represented. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's like they're just they wouldn't be my top genre. I don't watch them. I have seen them. I don't watch them frequently. None of them are anywhere near my favourite films because they're just shit. It's just, and also I just don't like that genre of films. Sort of a love story is never really my favourite. So with um, Wonder Woman, you will know far better than I everything to do with the stuff surrounding her. But isn't she supposed to be bisexual? Yeah. 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 So that that was um, I didn't. 
I just think that, you know, it could have been a great thing story without it necessarily being such a love story or whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I sort of half, if I, I watched most of it and so I think I have a good recollection of what happened, but not necessarily exactly. But it, if everything is just always done in the name of love and you're like, but there's, you know, my opinion always is, is like, there's just more than that. You can do it because you as a person want to go and do it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to be to save someone or to do whatever. And it, the, you know, the end result doesn't have to be the you know the the greatest prize of all is that you found love and i think that's that's bigger than just a gay thing i think that's not helpful to just sort of teach people that the especially you know women that the thing that you're really looking for the greatest achievement is that you get love and i you know that's uh you know mulan is a is a, is a disney film she's sort of this super cool powerful woman who has to become a man or look like a man so that she can so she can fight in the war because her father has no sons and mm-hmm. and she's she's so aspirational in many ways you know she's great and then at the end it's just about her getting whatever he's called the fella yeah um and it, you just think it's, it's bigger than that though mm-hmm. it's my life isn't about finding someone you know man or woman to love and so with wonder woman i was just like this is a great story and it just didn't need to be it felt very tied up in the love element of it mm-hmm. um and she felt very I mean, I think you and I have once had a discussion about this and maybe different opinions a little bit with it, but I think that she seems quite sort of beholden to him and and willing to take what he says and stuff. And, you know, it's just like you... There was a, this initial island of, of strong fighting women. Mm. You know, that could have been more of a thing. Or we could have had a, a gay love interest there if she's if she's bisexual yeah. or whatever. It just it, it seems just this constant sort of repeating pattern of this sort of got to find love. And it's, you know, obviously it's mostly heterosexual love or whatever, but it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I think but it's interesting because I don't wonder whether that's because it's been so consciously not a part of my story as I see it on TV. That's not what I look for because it's not because what I would be interested in is not represented. With Wonder Woman, with that relationship, you've got the role reversal of you've got the the role that would typically be filled by the the male character is Wonder Woman, and she's got the agency and the power, and he's mm. very much like the weak sidekick. Mm. And while there's a, a lot to be said from like reversing that role, and I do, I do really like Wonder Woman, <laughs> is this perhaps like a stage in which you'd hope that eventually you'd get to a point where you break down that binary completely, where you don't have the one powerful, the one weak, and you have yeah a relationship where you've got two people of equal value who have a connection uh yeah yeah i think that's true and i also do think that um in these very many in sort of in these very obvious traditional ways she's she's the powerful uh, masculine role but in but that's sort of subverted by there still being these typical like man woman things which you would expect because obviously she's not suddenly gonna get a strap on and whatever so like, I, I do understand that like, you you know but I feel like sometimes those elements of it are sort of undermined by the fact that so, and I think this is the point that you and I did disagree on, is that on the island, it felt like there, because she was so naive to the outside world, he would, he sort of came in and all for the right reasons, very easily sort of manipulated her into sort of coming, she wanted to go, but Mm -hmm. it was very sort of, oh, well, tell me what to do next sort of a vibe. And that, that, that there was very gendered in the opposite way and sort of, undermined many aspects of her of her sort of powerfulness mm. um so it's it's like it was a, i thought it was a real mix because yes she's powerful yes she's uh the weapon or whatever it was she was wasn't she in the end oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Can't remember. no yeah but yeah she so she's got all these it all went of, a bit batshit at the end <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness yeah yeah um yeah, so I feel like it's a real mixed bag. And I think to read because what's interesting is you sort of say oh wow that's a super powerful woman 
and a great role model for our young girls. But also at the same time, it is still this someone who's sort of, uh, and I don't know, because I, you know, I don't know if this is just a very negative thing to say, but in some respects, it's a bit sort of, oh, ditzy woman, how can, how, you know, mm. you tell me where to go sort of thing. And that's not, that is not something that I think is a helpful image for young ladies to identify with. So I think you just have to be careful rather than sort of having this binary sort of it is or it isn't like she is a powerful female figure or she isn't i think she both is and isn't and i think that you just need to one just needs to be careful when sort of you know because it's that thing where it's like she's um she's her sort of still quite scantily clad and Mm -hmm. stuff and and it's like yeah that is good but acknowledge that that the bits that are good also sit within a culture where there are still these norms that are bad so she you know she does wear i mean they all wear lycra in fairness they all Mm -hmm. got very skin tight suits male and female alike but hers are more it's more uncovered right she's got a very tiny skirt yeah and there was that thing when so patty jenkins so a female director made the wonder woman film and then when Zack snyder moved home to justice league the amazonians became more scantily clad <laughs> and yeah it's just such a good example of like male gaze being put onto these characters yeah yeah it's a, so i don't know was the was the film was the wonder woman film written was it directed and written by it was only directed, I don't know about written by. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it was just some bits of it seemed like how um, a man, which was interesting if it is directed by a woman, but from my perspective, it wouldn't be how I would write a, char- a strong female character. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I think it's just about seeing it within its context of, because I think you can sort of package it up as something that's just fundamentally, you know, let's show little girls this or whatever, or mm. I guess not if it's violent, but... Um, and, and they can identify with this, but then you're still teaching them that, you know, to get the respect of guys, they need to wear some short skirts and, yeah. and listen to what the guys... I mean, you should always listen to what people are saying. You should, you should. <laughs> but it shouldn't It shouldn't be that you sort of defer to them relentlessly, you know, that's, mm-hmm. you know and, and, and not feel like you have. Yeah. So Joss Whedon, who's considered to be a male feminist writer, he, yeah. his screenplay for Wonder Woman was released. It was an unmade version. And despite his sort of titles, he's the guy who made Buffy... Of okay. being yeah. um, like a feminist director. People had a lot of issues with his script, particularly I think the protagonist was Steve and not Wonder Woman in her own film. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve, the um, Chris Pine character. Yeah. yeah. So while, <laughs> pa- while Patty Jenkins might have um, do things differently to a way in which you would have done them or other people had complaints about it, I feel it is it's important to actually have women like, yeah. behind the camera because it, 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 it's interesting how you say that because for me it felt like a film that was made by a woman yeah and I, I, could, I couldn't be able to articulate why that is but that it's I don't know it's just interesting I definitely would have to re-watch it to get a more honest opinion of it I you know m- maybe it's as simple as there was this island of wonderful independent women that had I mean the whole point of them being there was that they were they'd been just to clarify, had they been made to partner men? Was that the thing? But they all like to calm the, the male fighting or whatever. There's something remember. like that. But they'd been like, fuck off, I'm not going to do that. You're yeah. impossible. And so they'd gone and made the, established themselves independently. Um, so maybe it's just that I was there like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be a whole film about really, you know, attractive ladies just doing their thing yeah. where they're both... You know, from my perspective, they're both attractive and admirable. Perfect. <laughs> Nothing else. Maybe I just I just came in. Yeah. You know, you know. Maybe that's that's me. You know. Yeah, I can completely accept that. And linking back to what we were saying earlier about representation being important for straight white guys to see, I do have a memory of, of your like Xena action figure, <laughs> and I do I'm embarrassed to admit I, I do recall 
not being interested because Zena was a woman. Yeah. It's, yeah, and it's it's something which, I mean, I'm going to have to delve into myself and work out why that was. But I think if, if I had, if that wasn't the exception, if it was just normal and mm. it was just like um, there would be um, men and women in different roles, different types of action films and such, and it mm. wasn't seen as a distinction... I think I and a lot of other men would have healthier attitudes. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that's and that's the for, yeah. For me, as I said, it was sort of without without realizing the sort of attraction thing. It was equally admiration, and it was one hundred percent that I that you know Hercules was cool, but she was the coolest. She was I wanted to be exactly like her, which is which is odd because I, I often found myself identifying with with male figures, mm-hmm. you know, for aforementioned reasons or whatever, non sexuality related. But I was like, no, no, she's the shit. And there's no reason why I don't want to be like her. It's, you know, because she was... So there was this sort of... Was there a thing with her and Hercules as well? Or have I imagined that? I think there might have been in his series. I don't know. Did they interact after the I first? think there was like a crossover. Oh, nice. or maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But um, they... Even though the, 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 the long-running... As I said, the long-running relationship is that it's her and, and her and Gabrielle. So it's not that she doesn't have interactions with men. Mm. But it's that they're quite fleeting... And she sort of moves on from them, as I remember it. And so, you know, so, you know, even that wasn't something, not that I was even necessarily aware of that, but it, she felt, you know, in the same way the women are often quite disposable, or, or love interests, female love interests mm. can be quite disposable in, in storylines, etc. It felt sort of completely, it felt the reverse. And it's one of those things where you're like, ah, oh, without recognising it, you're like, oh, this is... Equality in in the way that we show things, and so I thought I, I you know I, and this is where I really should have questioned my sexuality at the tender age of eight years old. <laughs> um, I did you know, quite like that the guys that were in, you know, did have relationships with her were incredibly disposable, and they would disappear. Mm. You know, it was like, and then back to Gabrielle. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. So uh, and I yeah, and I and I I do think that you know to your point that cult- culturally, you know, we can sort of get angry at individual people. The whole thing about you know Weinstein and whatever is. Even the horrible things that people have done and very, very horrible things. But the interesting thing is that as you sort of tease it apart is that a lot of it is not like an individual. I mean, he was an in, he is an individual mm-hmm. man who's quite horrible in his actions and was very aware of what he was doing, I think. But some of it is with sort of Aziz Ansari stuff is that it's not like he's a shitty human being. He's really trying. But there's a culture that, you know, tells him it's okay to behave a certain way. And... I think that yeah, the more, the more that you know, because you grew up watching films and and reading books wherever where where you know women are just sort of objectified and they're this accessory to your Ken doll and you know you can tell them what to do etc cetera, etc. Cetera. No, I don't mean in a really aggressive way, but uh, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's just a really interesting uh, dynamic that I don't see in my relationship. And it's not it's not anything it's not anything intentional, horrible, or and it's not even necessarily a thing. But it's just as just as you know, I you know try to be good with. Um, I obviously try not to be a racist. <laughs> um, yeah. the, undoubtedly, there will still be things that I will do that are like microaggressions mm-hmm. or will make people uncomfortable or just yeah, just you just it's, it's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's it, yeah to equal representation on on TV is is a prime way to sort of just changing people's opinions towards those things so that these microaggressions or these ways of thinking and behaving that aren't actively racist they they don't even get sewn in there sort yeah, of a yeah. thing yeah it's, yeah definitely that sort of thing 
it's like the idea that um isn't it, rape culture is like a pyramid and at the, the top you actually have rape itself but you yeah. have all these like sort of ways in which we view women both in our media and our culture and that's the way that it kind of like builds up and there's various levels in which we exist and yeah same with any sort of race sexuality that kind of thing yeah no yeah 100 i'm in complete agreement um yeah and it's about changing all of those things upwards and you know yeah for, for in terms of I mean, gay, I don't know. It's so weird when you try and sort of pick these apart. So if you, if you sort of try to singularly identify different elements of your identity, so I'm a woman, I'm, but I'm also white, um, and I'm, you know, in a gay relationship at the moment. And, and then, you know, what do each of those things mean for me? And also, I guess, the, the more that you're on the margins of every group, the ability for you to see yourself becomes lessened and lessened. Like, so if you're a black woman, Zena, you're not going to see yourself through Zena. If, yeah, if you're 100%. a black, gay, disabled woman, the chances of you seeing yourself portrayed are immensely low. Yeah, which just sucks because because there are there are people out there. And, you know, though, as you know, if we take the example of gay people i know sexuality is incredibly fluid and there's a better understanding of that so to say the 90 percent thing is just crude and outdated but let's take it as but yeah to say that 90 percent of people that are heterosexual that does still mean that 10 percent of people aren't yet you know overwhelmingly far more than 90 percent of relationships we t- see on tv are heterosexual mm-hmm. and if they are gay it's often not a fully complex developed relationship or character in the same way that it, yeah that it would that it would be and so that's the thing is like i guess that there are different proportions of people you know there are fewer black gay disabled women than there are white men say mm-hmm. but that but when you then translate that across to media i think that it that proportion drops even lower mm-hmm. yeah and so people don't get to see themselves represented and i do think that's super important that is i said that certainly zina certainly made me in terms of my feeling like i wanted to be more of a doing more of an action that was where you know someone who supported my view and and I got my inspiration from mm-hmm. and I guess it, the, the more representation you get the more specific you can get so like the comic book character who I saw myself in most as a kid was Daredevil and he is a white guy called Matt <laughs> <laughs> it's like and you, it was the Matt that really did yeah, it <laughs> well, and there was there was bits like his uh, the dad and Matt were the same age as my dad and I was at the time yeah. when he was like a little kid and there was these points of comparison where you could get so like into the minutia of it and you, if you're not afforded that luxury, if you're, if there's only a couple gay characters who aren't, or a couple black characters, yeah, you have to kind of just go for what you have to take whatever whatever's there. Yeah, and it's so disappointing, isn't it? Because then you just, and that's the other thing, of course, that you that you can touch on with all of this stuff, because then you just fall into stereotyping as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, I think that's sort of super unhelpful. Obviously, it's super unhelpful. And how for you? How does it work? If, so you're looking at Xena, and you're you've got like your gazes on Xena but also Xena's a woman so you've got this conflict of like her being not necessarily a conflict <laughs> you've got this because I'm saying so I'm, what I'm trying to get is so with her her outfit yeah is it's not, not even a proper skirt is it? yeah it's not battle ready yeah it's and it kind of and then that does that feed into why you've got this intended lesbian gaze you've got the standard male gaze on a woman and she's yep. not allowed to just wear armor yeah. But at the same time, as a kid who's into Xena, do you find it, how do you balance those two things in your head? I mean, that in itself, just as a wider question, is really interesting because it's, yes, it's like, I want to see myself represented as a woman and I want, I don't want to have to wear skimpy clothes or whatever, because that's not, I guess that's not really me. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, so I wouldn't be represented as that person. But yes, yeah, you know, you sort of, you know, Xena's got wearing barely anything and, and that is a male gaze and, and to an extent it's a, it's a lesbian gaze or whatever. And so it's just, 
with, yeah, so with Xena, um, this is so, I mean, it's so hard to even think about. Had she been wearing, you know, a, a sort of beige one piece, would I have found her as inspirational or attractive? Who knows? Because I didn't even, I didn't even know that part of that was me finding her attractive. I And, and I certainly find that, and this is, uh, yeah, I, hmm. Visually, of course. God, where to even start on this? Visually, there are... <laughs> this is where you become a huge fucking hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, I want one of strong women, but I also want them wearing nothing so I can look at them. <laughs> Even invariably, wearing less is sexy, right? It 100% is. I'm sure, you know, because we've been taught that. And also because we... Maybe it's some biological evolutionary thing i don't know but um as an adult what i find very attractive about her is definitely it's probably aided by her outfit although in reality i don't know because if you did have them walking around like in some beige tracks you wouldn't you wouldn't you certainly wouldn't find them attractive right you'd like, this terrible outfit um but I, I find what i do find very attractive is the her sort of her power and her yeah, I've, as 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 an adult, I think that one of the most attractive things is someone that can do something well, and I guess confidently, uh, and and often it's things skills that I don't possess that that I that I find quite attractive. So it's weird. It's really weird, but very you know, it makes me feel morally super, it makes me feel morally superior because I can say that I don't need. You know, don't need the visuals to be attractive. I'm attracted to your mind, mm-hmm. which definitely isn't true because, as I said, you know, there's clearly distinctions. A lot of, uh, yeah. Now I would say that I certainly think that one of the most attractive things about Zena is just she's so uh, strong and powerful. And as I remember her, she's quite big, not like uh, not. And this is this not fat or hugely tall, but she's bigger than Gabrielle. Yeah. yeah. And she was just, I remember her just being so strong. I remember looking at her thighs, which were revealed, mm-hmm. and thinking, look at those strong thighs. What a strong thigh. I want to have, I want to be strong like that. And which is really interesting because now we, um, is now there's been this, you know, there was definitely this idea of women being quite thin as the ideal. And we've, as with guys, I think more recently we've been moving to, it's all about power and strength and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But Zena definitely, without even being particularly toned, or was she toned? She was toned in my mind, but not super toned. Mm-hmm. Was just that sort of that huge sort of powerfulness was just attractive and and very admirable. I saw some stat that was that was talking about how um, so if you send a survey out to straight men, um, the number of men who will say they're attracted to big women is significantly less than the number of men who watch porn with big women in it. Interesting. And I think the conclusion that whoever drew the survey behind was this idea of. Um, your partner as being still seen as like a trophy mm-hmm. and we live in a culture where skinniness is still seen as desirable yeah and so while on a base level as a man you're attracted to a bigger woman you've sort of conditioned yourself in a way so that you'll actually go for the skinnier woman because of the way in which that would be interpreted by your peer group yeah yeah although i think it's on even unfair to even say you've conditioned yourself i think you've mm. been conditioned right yeah, yeah. think about it. to actually while she was saying that it made me work out just as sort of like it's all already been said but just to sort of you know put my finger on it a bit better is when we sort of talk about you know the objectifying gaze versus the sort of me as a woman identifying with xena gaze mm-hmm. i think a key difference in there which you could only ever have if you were if you had both 
one out of each eye is that there's there's a lot of it's 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 respectful and there's a lot of ad, there is a lot of admiration there's a lot of whatever and it's sort of super respectful as well so i'm never i'm never like oh just show me that ass or like oh i want to see some more tit mm-hmm. you know it's it's that of course because that's attractive but it's that in relation to the to personality to the character yeah, very yeah. much as well rather than just being like that's what i'm getting out of this a bit of thigh <laughs> yeah. it was a powerful thigh but you know yeah and that's the thing where i feel like it's different is i don't feel like i'm there purely because I think the thing about objectification is is that it's not really, it no longer is about who you are as a person and what's coming out of your mouth. It's just the fact that you've got a nice pair of tits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think is that actually you can't, from my perspective, you can't take the two apart. <laughs> you can't take someone's personality away from their body. So yes, their body is attractive. And yes, the fact that it's uncovered makes it more attractive. And yeah, the cut of the outfit, etc. But that's in in conjunction with the fact that she's Xena and she's this super powerful badass lady who just goes and does whatever the fuck she wants mm-hmm. and and without that if she were an unhelpful female stereotype type to make but if she was some sort of airhead who had nothing of worth to say and and did whatever I, I suddenly wouldn't find that body attractive in the yeah, same yeah. way but I think that's true of I think that's true of most people to an extent yeah I mean the the I mean, just the fact that pornography exists would show there's a point in which you can separate and you know, the purely visual can be stimulating, but perhaps not as stimulating as if you have that combination of the two. Yeah. Because I, I, I think that's, I mean, I don't know, objectification is so interesting because clearly people invest in people in more than just their bodies. Um, and clearly you can, but, you know, everyone, I personally wouldn't say I watch a lot of pornography, but... I can certainly see why people find that attractive or like, sorry, not good, but like a turn on 100%. Mm-hmm. But the, the, I guess it's weird how you never really see the guy's face and you, uh, you sort of see his genitals and that's really his input. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of, it's all about, you know, sort of very, is very much sort of viewing on the woman like that. Yeah, I guess, I guess my, my point is while there seems to have been this push recently to move away from that, like you've, you've they've taken, um, there's been films with Snow White and Alice in Wonderland in which they become armor clad by the end and they've got proper armor. And it's the idea that in the military, women do need different armor in the sense of just because of body proportions, mm-hmm. but it's not like, it's not the same thing that Xena's wearing. It's not just a whole bunch of cleavage on yeah, show. Exactly. <laughs> and then there were, until recently, there were plans for a Xena remake, a new series. God damn it. And they've been basically cancelled because of creative differences. Who knows what that means? Mm. And if that series was to come out now... Mm. Well, actually, so they, they made a big point in the press release of Xena was going to be explicitly lesbian nice. in this show. Oh, this would have been great. And but it wasn't going to be Lucy Lawless, though. No. Mm. What was the point? <laughs> so that's clearly progression from the previous series. Mm. But in terms of her appearance, would you, as a fan, want to see a similar sort of outfit? Would you, or would you want to see it have progressed? And are there other ways in which you feel like you'd want a show to be different? Yeah, so, you know, I'm I'm a very nostalgic person. So from that perspective, you'd be like, I want to see Xena as I saw her, because that's what I remember. But you have to definitely separate. That's very unhealthy. I, yeah, one, I, so this is, yeah, I definitely think you could make something that was more genuinely battle-appropriate. You could reimagine the outfit in a more battle-appropriate design that would still be attractive it doesn't need to be a full suit of armor Mm -hmm. of course you know it could still be something that i yeah i think the deal is is that in the real sort of injustice in all of this is that not that you necessarily show skin or whatever it's that it's just so 
non-functional mm-hmm. and i think the thing that really gets to me is it's like well isn't it funny that you, you the guys get something that is just exactly what they need and, the, and there's no way you know what is it who uh i know multiple different things i think um kate beckinsale in underworld mm. was talking about having to run with high heels on and learning how to do that i mean that's that's really impressive to be able to run in a really sort of action movie way but with high heels on a great skill to have, I'm sure. And I'm sure useful for getting out of situations where you would be wearing high heels, etc. But you sort of think, well, that's just not... There's no need to put a heel on stuff. So that's... I mean, that's not... I mean, you could go into the sort of gender politics of high heels, but that's not explicitly... I mean, it definitely is sexual. Um, it 100% is, but not in the same sort of revealing way. But from my perspective, I always think it... Growing up, I was always really stupid when you'd see people in those situations wearing high heels. So you, if you had a suit made for yourself, a very skin-tight black cat suit as Kate Beckinsale had in Underworld, you probably wouldn't suggest that, number one. Mm-hmm. It was a corseted as well, I think. But you definitely wouldn't be like, oh, I'll have high heels with that, actually, as well. That would be really useful for me. Yeah, yeah. And it's that... So I don't... I think my perspective is I'd want to see something that, much with the, um, you know, their male counterparts, where it was actually just functional. And if it's functional and revealing, you know, if it's sort of purposefully really revealing, maybe you'd be like, well, does it need to be like that? But more than that, I just want to see something that looks like it's catered to, you know, my needs rather than, you know, an objectifying gaze. Yeah, yeah. And maybe you could even have the costume itself be fit for purpose and not sexual and then still have the, the series be sexy. Like the, the idea of if you always turned up to 11, when you actually want to have a sex scene, where do you go from there? Because you're always at the peak. So you, this idea that um, women always have to look sexy like even if they're angry or sad they're still like <laughs> sexy is still the main emotion that you're trying to convey yeah and perhaps it would be well not perhaps it would definitely be better if you could have xena in her warrior phase kicking ass taking names and then she goes back and fucks gabrielle <laughs> <laughs> i mean that'd be the thing that we'd all want to see really yeah and that would be hotter perhaps because of the contrast yeah so there you mean that she's hypersexualized throughout the whole of it even when she's fighting yeah yeah, yeah. Also, because it's just not, you know, on sort of the things that we've already discussed. It's just not representative. There's no way when normal ladies go about their everyday life, they're like, oh, "I'll just fill in a spreadsheet." <laughs> you know, they're just filling out a spreadsheet, frowning at it, mm-hmm. hunching and whatever. And yeah, that's not super attractive. And you know, you'd never put someone in a film hunching over a spreadsheet, sure. But something that's just a bit more realistic. And I do think, as you say, I do think that would make the overall a whole bunch of things more actually the sex scenes a whole bunch more sexy because mm-hmm. it's not. I'm already super sexy and now I'm taking off my corset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm in complete agreement. And what, I mean, in terms of the series, I mean, you're really stretching my memory of it because I can't really, I can't really, you know, my main, my main memory of Xena is, you know, a fight scene would start, she would get on some hay bales somewhere, make that battle cry and then do a flip. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know. lots of flipping in the battle cry, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Ten out of ten, but in, you know, and and but and that wasn't something that I sort of would have read. Obviously, sexually, it was just super mm-hmm. cool. Um, it definitely made me want to do flips for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, which I never never achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I said to you before we started how Xena. There's a lot written about Xena in terms of feminism and lesbian gays and all this kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that's really important. But you also don't want that to overshadow the rest of the show. Like it was a really fun show, yeah. And it's while it might have that ending, it's a bit of a downer. I can't, you, I can't believe you reminded me of that. That's so sad. I felt, and that's the thing is you feel so, it's someone, and that's, uh, yeah, because, and that would be very telling of the way that I identified with her because I felt like really quite 
strongly about that in a way that I didn't about other characters. So when she died, I felt really, really shit about it. I felt quite angry at the show for killing her off, even though there would have been no more, maybe no more series anyway. Mm -hmm. It really pissed me off that suddenly this character wasn't alive anymore. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I guess in terms of the the funness of the show, you've also got, there was lots of like pop culture references, which make no sense in terms of when it's set. Like there's a there's a, um, a bit I found where she like sniffs her armpit <laughs> as she goes like I love the smell of warrior sweat in the morning and it's like that's from Apocalypse Now from like nineteen. 19- <laughs> that's <laughs> well, very niche. Well, no, no. So um, um, I love the smell of napalm in the morning is from Apocalypse Now. Oh, okay. And it's kind of like it's lots of references like that. Yeah. Which make no sense for the setting of whenever it's supposed to be and the historical figures who she interacts with were born like thousands of years apart and you, you're just ripping down every <laughs> no, bit of that scene no not ripping down I, I that's one of the things that's engaged me about it and has made me want to watch it because it's it's just campy fun like yeah. it's just like it's a romp so to clarify this is yeah from my understanding is it like Zeus is not around at the same time as Poseidon or they're different gods yeah so it's not necessarily the gods it's who is it like Caesar like they're, they're like historical figures and who Caesar show is up. in it I think he's play- one of them's played by um Carl Urban, who is like in um, Judge Dredd in the Star Trek films. Okay. And he looks so like young and boyish in it. It's really scary. <laughs> <laughs> and also you, with that framework of just Zeno and Gabrielle like wandering, mm. essentially, you have so much scope for different plots. Like every yeah. episode is self-contained, but it's also they're, they're in a different location, new characters. It's... I'm not sure if I, I do intend to watch it, but I'm not sure if there's too many episodes that there's too much of a commitment. I might do one of those um, guides where it's like the best episodes to get mm-hmm. the whole picture. Yeah, certainly these things can just be overfilled, and mine is a very general. I've got just got a very general memory of it. But doesn't it doesn't it just sound like the most fantastic, the fantastic premise ever? You're an incredibly strong, powerful person, lady in this context, wandering the lands, free as a bird, yeah. kicking ass. <laughs> We're your lesbian lover. <laughs> Isn't that how we all would live, given your choice? Perfect. <laughs> yeah. But actually, so you say you are, in, in terms of you're putting yourself through Xena. Mm. From watching today, it felt like perhaps maybe Gabrielle was supposed to be the point of view character through which you see this great Xena. So yeah. So that, that wasn't your experience. It was very much of seeing yourself as and through Xena. Yeah, I don't think you're supposed to. But but if you were to, I mean, if you were to project, that's where you'd be. So did you like Gabrielle as a character? No, I thought she was a bit of a wet blanket, I remember. I, I honestly can't remember anything about her, apart from she was short and blonde and was wet and definitely not something. I was, was not attracted to Gab- Gabrielle at all. Because I think she goes on like quite a significant arc. Like She starts off as like um, in this village and she wants to get away from this man that she's um, been forced to marry. And then she's kind of... Um, I think there's a bit where she, she's like a pacifist and they have that mm-hmm. in contrast to Xena because she's very like... Xena's very stoic and... Yeah. Um, Gabrielle's very funny and kind of, well, perhaps to some people, Gabrielle was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then by the end of it, Gabrielle has sort of become a, a warrior. And then when Xena dies, she takes over Xena's mantle, I guess. So sad. Stop bringing that up. It's so sad. Yeah. So, uh, you know, more than, you know, more than I do. I think that, uh, yeah, I, this is a very, my opinion over the years, because it was watched at such a young age and then not watched very much afterwards. It's sort of been, distilled down to key features and basically i remember xena and xena traveling and pretty much nothing else mm-hmm. I, I remember gabrielle but that sounds like a great art that i'd be 100 percent on board with today you know i love the pacifist element of it because shouldn't we all be 
pacifist, stop attacking people, Xena, etc. But um, I don't really remember. I just remember her being really wet. I didn't really like her very much. Which is a shame, because she was, you know, the love interest in that sort of subtext way. And so you've not gone back to the show. It's not something that you've watched in the last few years. Well, I, I once I went back. This and this, <laughs> oh, and I just need to see past it. And uh, you know, much as you have done in your episode, you know, just take the positives from it. I went back and watched one a few years ago, and the first thing I was struck by was how shit Poseidon was in the intro. <laughs> um, I very when you hear the sort of um, the warrior cry and just her whole vibe, that was very much the same. And I was really. I was really excited about that again. I guess I just had forgotten how cheesy TV programs were in the nineties as well. So I, I, it almost becomes unwatchable. But mm-hmm. if you if you if you know that you're going into it with that, then I think it'd be a great thing to watch. But if you, I remember as a child, I remember it feeling like it was like super serious and yeah, like yeah. and good and and genuine. And they just said really cool shit to each other all the time. And that's not what they do. It's just a whole bunch of cheesy <laughs> yeah, lines. Yeah. So I guess if you've like manufactured this ultimate version of it, yeah, it's and the fact that it is different, it's not going to live up to that. Like um, I watched, this is maybe not quite the same thing, but I watched Ghostbusters as a kid, not realizing it was a comedy, and just seeing it as being like, <laughs> like these dudes <laughs> fighting ghosts. Or, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. And so I think now, coming back to it again, I would be able to watch it. Um, knowing what to expect but I haven't come back to it purely because I watched it that one time didn't think about it watched it that one time and I guess you know I wouldn't because it, well, there was nothing explicitly lesbian in it and I didn't remember there being anything like that I wouldn't have ever gone back to it for that reason yeah I guess TV just moved on didn't it it was such a shame because it's such a good program and I guess as you were saying earlier about how you didn't remember you don't recall it being a violent show mm. I feel like there's, there are things like that as a, as a kid that can just go over your head like I remember I was really into like The Mask and then I've watched that again recently and it's like far more like there's so much swearing in it which I just cannot remember at all mm. and it's kind of if you're if you're not aware of something being rude or out of place you don't pick up on it it's like if I if I was a kid and I knew that fuck was a bad word I'd be like oh he said fuck but because I didn't hear it I just would assume he was talking about ducks or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think you're mispronouncing that <laughs> yeah I think that um yeah most of it would have just gone over my head I would have read it as a super serious thing I mean, I knew it was violent. I just I don't know. It was just a complete... I mean, the other side of it, of course, is that it's fantasy and everyone loves a bit of fantasy because you just get to delve into something that just isn't real. And I... My... I don't, so it'd be interesting to see what other people's... What other people think about this, but I, I like fantasy and Lord of the Rings-esque things was really... Um, and, you know, I guess Hercules and Xena two were really sort of my aesthetic growing up i was all about that all about, I used to put on a cape and run around the garden and stuff you know yeah. with the staff i think if there has been a recurring theme in not necessarily the ones that i've the interviews i've done so far but just talking to people fantasy does seem to be a major component of people's first crushes oh. and i have i haven't quite been able to isolate why that is but mm. as you say like a distant world you can it's sort of separated and it does feel like in the world that, in which Xena lives like there's some something of gender equality in the sense that no one is surprised that Xena is a competent warrior like everyone is oh it's shit Xena and um, when Mad Max Fury Road came out it was talking about an example where Jolie's Ferron's character Furiosa like is the best shot and Mad Max gives her the gun to do the shot mm-hmm. and there's not a shot afterwards of Tom Hardy looking at Charlize Ferron like what? <laughs> Like, it's just accepted that there's no sort of... Yeah, you know, because like, that's not like a lazy yeah. way to go about it. It's like the woman comes on and then does her cool bit and all the men are like, whoa. 
wow, yeah. she's sexy and good at what she does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's, I think, for, you know, less of a sort of crush perspective and more just from a representation, that's really, you know, I was thinking, what I really liked about Xena was that there was, exactly as you say, there was no, oh, wow, it's just like, she's so badass. And it's not like, you know, I remember when I was younger, I was part of a football club um, in primary school, but it wasn't with the primary school, it was separate. And we were playing a match, just a friendly at the end of one of the sessions. And you well know the story, Max, I've told it to you many times. Um, I got, I, I scored a hat-trick. I was the only girl on the whole team and I scored a hat-trick and I was the only person who had scored any goals. And I just, you know, I felt really proud of myself, felt great, but it was definitely like, oh, wow, well, she's done extra well because she's a girl. Mm. And it's like, we're all kids. We're exactly the same. No one's developed any sort of sexual dimorphism, Mm -hmm. um, as far as I remember. It's just weird that it was like, oh, you've done extra well for being a girl. No, I've just played football with people. And what I, you know, the thing about Xena is that it was just a given that she was a badass rather than she's a woman that's, that's, you know, doing really well and guys are impressed with her. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very true. But that's you know, speaks more to me seeing how I would want to be viewed by others, um, rather than being told that I should be viewed for any achievement I make should be viewed as some sort of amazing thing because I'm less than a man in some way. As like a Lauren Hill fan, I hate it when people say Lauren Hill is my favourite female MC. <laughs> it's just like is she your favourite MC or is she like your third favourite MC? Like, why are you putting her into this different category mm. of where she like falls? Like, what she's doing is the same. She's arm. really good for a lady rapper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it's got that kind of tinge behind it, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that so I think that's really important is it's about feeling like, you know, Xena was Hercules. They were as far as I as far as I yeah, yeah. <laughs> as far as I was aware, you know. When I was watching it, everyone was in, you know, thought Xena was the shit and would get out of her way. And everyone thought Hercules was the shit and would get out of her way and his way. And as far as I remember, in both cases, they had like a weedy little sidekick that was neither here nor there. But they were definitely this sort of central, strong, autonomous, um, inspirational character. And I guess you'd feel like, you, for in terms of media, you you want both of those things. You want the the version in which men and women are perceived by everyone as equal as like an aspirational level Mm -hmm. and then you need but then you also need the dramas in which you show the issues which women have to face which men don't and by seeing both of those you can have an acknowledgement of where we are compared to where we want to be yeah and I think that's a little bit sort of the fantasy it's I think it is the role of fantasy because you're everything is so fantastical and sort of out there and out of the ordinary it's the role to to be those people in those situations i think if you want to make a film about you know women's suffrage then you know be my guest and that's historical or present day but when you're doing you know when you're doing something that is just not based in reality there's no reason why we should all be you know standing around and applauding objectifying and and, and applauding the women who who kick our asses or whatever yeah Yeah, i think that's I, i think that's a very it's very fertile ground for that that's all the bits that I've got written down. I will point out that I brought loads of sheets with loads of quotes in and was rifling through them at the beginning and so couldn't actually have a conversation. So I threw them to one side. So a lot of the things that I've been saying, I've been of ideas that I've read and now I'm passing off as my own. <laughs> <laughs> so I will link in the description to every article that I've sort of referenced. Oh, that's a lot of effort. It's, I've got more. A necessity. It's yeah. a necessity. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's plagiarism. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, it makes me sound really smart. <laughs> um, so that, I guess that feels like a good time to wrap up. Um, thanks for letting me over to your home, Jess. It's made me feel like a uh, proper podcaster. Having to do the commute in my kit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very good. Yeah. Thanks very much for for interviewing me.